Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as we bring this week's message from our series, A Season to Believe. It's so good to see you. You can be seated. Thank you so much for coming out today. I'm so excited for the season that we're in. Anybody ready for Christmas? Come on. It's Christmas. I've been celebrating all week by eating an immense amount of cookies. I eat every one of those cookies to the glory of the newborn king. I had, I had a little ritual I'd do. I'd, I'd break one in half for my homies, and then I'd just eat the rest to the glory of God. But I'm feeling it today because I got winded coming up those steps. I need to rein it in a little bit. But you guys ready for an amazing holiday season? We got... We have five services over the next two days, and I want to encourage you to be here. If you've never been here, I promise you those services are amazing. They're special. They're family-oriented. You don't put your kids in kids' ministry. You bring them in here. We keep the service a little shorter and loud because your kids are loud. And uh, and every year we pray like crazy because your two-year-old is going to try to burn our church down. But there's, there's candle wax everywhere. How many of you just, I love the mess. Like I walk around, I see the candle wax uh, on our chairs. Those chairs cost money, people. Uh, it's worth it to see your family singing. And uh, so invite somebody, bring somebody, be a bringer over the next couple of days. Come to the 7 p.m. service tomorrow night. Uh, Come to the 6 p.m. service. I'm encouraging you. Those are the services where uh, all the other services will be packed out. Come to those services. That will help us so much. But we'd love to see you. And then next weekend is Sabbath weekend. We've never done this uh, as a church, but we're, we're not meeting here in this building. We're not having a live service. We're taking church online for that weekend. And so there's uh, worship there. There's a, a message that's going to be waiting for you next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. You can jump on YouTube. You can jump on Facebook. And uh, we'll take you to church online. We're doing that for a couple of reasons. One is I'm excited to take our church into the world of broadcast. Uh, because I don't know if you know this or not, but the power uh, of a message isn't whether or not the messenger is here live on stage or if it's on video. Because the power isn't in the messenger. The power is in the message. It's in the word of God. God. And it doesn't matter if there's somebody preaching it to you live or you're getting it by video. The Word of God works, y'all. It, it will work in your life. And so we're going we're gonna to give you, don't say we're not having church, we're having church. We're going to bring the Word of God to you. We're just going to do it by broadcast. And then that also allows us to honor a biblical principle of Sabbath of rest. and We're doing that to honor the incredible dream team that serves our church so many weekends, four services, a couple of hundred people make all of this happen. And we wanted, we wanted to honor them and just give them a Sabbath rest. And I, it's hard to rest, isn't it? Like, it's hard for me as a pastor to just take a weekend off. Oh, we'll skip that weekend. Uh, but I learned a long time ago that God's pretty good at holding the world together. <laughs> like, we'll take a weekend off, and God will hold all the world together. He's been doing it for a long time. He's pretty good at it. I think everything will be all right. And then we're going to come out strong in 2020. Uh, January 4th, we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I want to invite you on that journey. I hate to mention it now because I know you're already thinking about Christmas dinner. And uh, you're already baking cookies and all that stuff. But you'll need a little downtime on the food after Christmas anyway. 
so 21 days of prayer and fasting. You define your fast, fast food, fast social media, fast whatever it is God lays on your heart. You can define that fast, but go on the 21-day journey with us, and uh, it starts January 4th. And I promise you, if you'll give God your first, God will give you his best in 2020. Like you'll, you'll experience all of God's best. And it's going to end with uh, an incredible night of prayer on January 24th. And if you missed, if you've never been to a night of prayer, I promise you it's a, it's a life-changing experience to be in this room for a night of prayer. And so we'd love to see you there. And I want to I bring a message today. We've been in a, a series called A Season to Believe. And I wanted to just highlight the, the faith aspect of the Christmas story and talk about different things that that we need to exercise our faith in. And a season to believe, we've been adding a phrase to it every week as we've been going through the series. And, and this week, I want to add the phrase, a season to believe that we can choose joy. How many of you know that, you, that joy is a choice you make? That you can choose joy. And the problem that we have is it's kind of sometimes difficult to to locate what joy is and how it comes into our life. But, but joy isn't a gift that somebody gives to you. Like joy, joy doesn't come in the form of a gift. Joy doesn't come whether or not someone significant to you pops and gives the ring to you this year. It's not found on, you know, it doesn't matter if um, you get the bonus, even though you've already written the check for the down payment on the swimming pool. Just a little Christmas vacation joke for you. Um, or whether or not you, you get to take a holiday trip. Listen, those, that's happiness. Happiness, it, a gift can make you happy. Like if somebody gives you a really good gift, make you happy. Um, somebody does something nice for you, it'll make you happy. And happiness is great, but the problem is it doesn't last very long. Like what makes you happy one moment can just be gone like 10 minutes later. And this is a challenging season. Because people are looking for joy but mistaking it for happiness. And joy, joy isn't circumstantial. It's not based on whether or not you, you get a gift or what happens to you. Joy is a condition of your soul. It's something that's internal. And when you talk about Christmas, there's a word that's missing. And the word that's missing from the Christmas story is the Bible never mentions the word happiness. But it does promise exceeding great joy. And I want to talk about joy for a moment. Because I, I know that sometimes we, we gravitate towards happiness. And I, I just want to be honest with you. Serving God doesn't guarantee happiness. But it does promise you a life of joy. And the birth of Christ wasn't this like happy moment. It was this promise of joy moment. In fact, I want to read it to you. It's Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read the whole Christmas story. If you've never read it from the Bible, I'm going to read it to you today. And Luke begins the, the story of Jesus' birth by saying, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And I did not stumble over Quirinius, and you should have applauded me for that. Um, that's not an easy word to say, or an easy name. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Really supernatural, powerful stuff. An angel, the glory of God. And they were filled with great fear. Just a little side note, you actually never want to see an angel. Like, terrifying. Every, every time. Every time. And the angel, and this is how it always goes whenever somebody saw an angel in the Bible, it followed up with like, don't be afraid. It was like, that's easy for you to say. This is, this is freaky. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Good news, great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly one angel turned into a whole bunch of angels, and they began to, to praise the heavenly hosts, and I want you to notice this, they were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom, with whom he is pleased. And the promise that God gives us from Christmas is the promise of good news and exceeding great joy, of exceeding, enduring, overcoming great joy. And the message of Christmas is that there is good news today. I don't know what clouds you may be living under or what uh, the, the predominant thought of your life is, but I just want to tell you today that there is good news for your life, that the birth of Christ is, is still good news. And it was good news to everybody in a general sense. And the idea that everybody could experience the joy of the good news, but it wasn't a it doesn't say that in the reality that everybody was going to receive joy. It just meant that it was available to everybody. Because when you read this, you find out that this, this moment is, is good news and it brings great joy to Mary because she gets the incredible honor and favor of bringing the Son of God into the world. Like it's great news for her. It's, it's good news to her because she was the one that received Christ. It was good news for Joseph because he was engaged to Mary. He waited to marry her until after she gave birth to Jesus. But he stayed with her and is a part of the Christmas story because he received the message of Jesus that Jesus was the Savior of the world and also in that moment it proved that Mary wasn't cheating on him which was another possibility that I'm sure rolled through his mind in that little journey of yeah sure you're a virgin by, pregnant by God um, and it, but it turned out it was indeed good news and he received the message it was good news to the shepherds who were out watching their flock by night and the angels came and gave them a personal invitation to witness the greatest miracle on earth God coming flesh and even those shepherds were like the outcast of society you go back and study it you find out they were they were kind of the low lowlifes and they, they were unscrupulous and people didn't want to deal with them and they were the down and out people that's 
that's why they were the ones at night out in the wilderness tending animals. But yet when God got ready to give joy, he didn't just go to the up and up. He went to the down and out and said, listen, I want to bring good news to everybody that Jesus Christ is born. But he didn't just go to the down and out. He also went to the wise men were actually wealthy uh, magi that traveled from the east to come witness to the birth of Christ. And it was good news from those who are low to those that are high. Anybody that received Christ found out you've got good news of exceeding great joy. But it was only good news to those that would receive him. It was only the good news to those that would make the choice to receive Christ because the same news that came to Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men was the same news that came to Herod, but it wasn't good news to Herod because Herod was a tyrannical leader. Herod was a regional king that threatened people and manipulated people and abused people and bullied people, and the birth of Christ was a threat to his position, and it was a threat to his status, and it was a threat to his authority, but I want to tell you today that the good news for you is bad news for your enemy and whatever it is that's been rising in your life that exalts against the knowledge of Christ. I just want to tell you there's good news today that says your depression can't stay where it is, that your sickness can't stay where it is, that your poverty can't stay where it is, that the relational hurt that you've experienced that's been dominating your heart and your mind, I just want to tell you the good news for you is bad news for that hurt and pain because it cannot stay stay there anymore because we have good news. Our king has come. Somebody give God praise in the room. It's good news for us. It's bad news for our enemy. And joy is based on receiving the good news. In other words, it's a choice. It's just a choice to believe the message that Jesus brings, to posture our lives around the idea that this is good news and that Christ is king. And you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can choose your joy. You can choose the message that you believe about your life. And one of the problems that we have is we undervalue joy and we overlook praise. We undervalue joy, we overlook praise. When, when the angels came, they said joy, and then it says that there was a praise party in the heavens, and they praised God and gave glory to God. And one of the things that we struggle with is the idea of, of joy being spiritual and of just being able to have fun. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, this was years ago, going to a student conference. So it's for like high school kids and, and students, young adults probably are in the room. So it's, it's over 2,000 kids are in, this, are in this room and the atmosphere is hype. Like it, this was years ago. So like all of the things that we have, like lights, moving lights and uh, the atmosphere that we have is pretty normal today for a lot of churches but this was like cutting edge stuff back in the day. And they had, they had, they had done production on a, I, I appreciate production as you can kind of tell by our room, but um, they had done production on a whole nother level. There was pyrotechnics at one point in the service, like fire shot up uh, like a rock concert, you know. 
um, they had these pots of, of fire that came down from the ceiling. It was literally lit. It was, it was, cra- it was crazy, man. And, and like 2,000 kids are hyped out of their mind. And they're there at a, a church service for Jesus. And it was amazing. Like it was, it was incredible. Uh, but the problem was is they had, in hindsight, had invited the wrong guy to, to preach this, this conference. Uh, th- this guy probably should have been preaching the angry theologian conference, not the hype kids conference. Because I'll never forget, this is verbatim. This is verbatim what he said. It's etched into my soul. He got up, and the first words out of his mouth were, with a scowl on his face, I'm about to kick every ounce of frivolity out of this place. And for the next 45 minutes, he was very successful. He kicked every bit of fun out of that room. It was, it was terrible. It, it ended up, I kid you not, it was like a blowout at a sports event. People were just hitting the aisles trying to get out of there like before that thing was done. Just completely offended by the idea of fun because we undervalue joy and we overlook praise. We, 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 think, we think a lot of times that, that what the way that you measure spirituality is by how intense somebody is, by, by like how deep and serious they are. Like that's how you measure, that's how you measure spirituality. Like you don't even have on a suit and tie. You can't be serious. You know, you got to get serious about God. Come on, people, get serious about God. Like it's intensity and it's, and it's somberness and this heaviness. And that's how a lot of people measure spirituality. But can I tell you, that's not how God measures spirituality. He said joy is a fruit of the spirit. And we don't measure the depth of somebody's spirituality by how serious they are. We measure it by how much joy they can have in the midst of hard times, like walking through dark seasons. I still got joy in my soul like there's bad news all around me but I've got a posture of good news on the inside of me because my life isn't determined by the darkness of the world the light of the world has shone in my heart and so now I've got a posture of joy and I've got a posture of happiness and I can have fun and be light because God has come into the world you don't measure spirituality by intensity you measure it by joy. People will, people will pass by a church like ours and be like, you know, he's wearing jeans. It can't be a good church. See the lights. It's like a nightclub in there. Yeah, it is. Because we got the best party in town. Because our Savior is here. And when you talk about Christmas, Christmas is a holy day. It's a holy day. The day that God put on flesh, came into our world. And a lot of times when people think about, when people think about holiness, they equate it to heaviness. That, that holy has to be heavy. And, and it's this mindset like, that you measure holiness by, by things like somberness, being super reverent, um, you know, like intensity, it's got to be super intense. And the problem is none of those are fruits of the Spirit, but, but joy is. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of times when we think of the word holy, or we would even think of the word revival, like we would think of this intensity. But Nehemiah, 
Nehemiah led the city of Jerusalem in a, a physical revival. He revived the city, but he also led a revival of the hearts of the people spiritually. Like, so it was like he was rebuilding the city, but he was also rebuilding the spiritual climate of Jerusalem. And he was basically a government leader whose heart had been touched by God to rebuild Jerusalem. And so he got his friend Ezra, who was a spiritual leader in Jerusalem, a priest and a scribe. He got him to create this moment where everybody would get together to hear the word of God. And it's found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And then I'm going to skip and read another portion. And, And the Bible says this. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. In other words, he was standing on a platform like I'm doing today. He was just up on a platform speaking to people. And as he opened the word of God, all the people stood. There was a reverence for the word of God. And I know sometimes when I preach, people stand on their feet, and I appreciate that. But can I tell you, if you don't stand on your feet, that's okay. But you should at least be on the edge of your seat because the Word of God has power to transform your lives and change the circumstances of your life. And so we don't, we don't passively, come on somebody, we don't passively receive the Word of God. We actively receive the Word of God with faith and expectation that God is about to bring His Word and situations are going to change. And they stood on their feet. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen and amen. Whenever you read the Bible and you find out that the word of God was going forth, people confirmed it with the word of God by saying, amen, amen. And that's why we have a responsive church is because when you say amen, I I appreciate it. I thank you for it. You're supporting me. It, It feeds me and I preach back to your feedback. But can I tell you, when you say amen, you're not affirming a messenger. You're affirming a message that God's word is true and I'm putting it in my heart and I'm confirming that what God has said is a promise for my life and it shall come to pass and then all the people lifted their hands we lift our hands and people call it the international sign of surrender because it is we're surrendering to the presence of God but can I tell you when you lift your hands in the presence of God you may be surrendering to God but it becomes the international sign of victory because God is raising you up over every one of your problems and circumstances and every burden in your life God's lifting you up Watch what happens. Ezra begins to read from the Bible. And then something happens. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest. Thank you. It wasn't on the screen. I can't read that tiny writing. And the Levites, who taught the people, said to the people, watch this. This day is holy. This is a holy day. To the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. Isn't that crazy? Don't. Don't make this too serious. Don't make this somber. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. They they, they realized that their lives were way outside of what God had commanded them to do. And so they had been conditioned, watch this, culturally and religiously to put on this show of remorse. To like really 
to really weep it up, like do an ugly cry, show God how serious you are. It was conditioned in their culture to just be really somber and to cry. And Nehemiah stepped in and said, no, 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 no. We're not gonna do that. He said, go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is too holy to be somber. Do not be grieved because it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength, that this day is too holy for you to be somber. This day is too holy for you to be sad. Can I tell you, Christmas is too holy for us to walk around in our sorrow, in our sadness. This is the day that our God has made. We're gonna rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it because sorrow belongs to the defeated, but joy belongs to the victorious. Sorrow is for those that are living in bondage but joy is for those that are walking in freedom. Sorrow is for those that are doomed, but joy is for those that have a future and a hope. And I just want to tell you, there is good news of great joy. Our King has come. We are not defeated. We are not bound. We are not doomed. We have a future. We have a hope. We've been liberated. God is here this day. It's too holy to be somber. Come on, let's sing our songs. Let's throw our parties. Let's celebrate because we are not on the losing side. We are on the winning side because Jesus is here. It's just a shift in mindset about what holy is and about what church should be, honestly. Because if we're not careful, we make God holy. We make holiness heavy. And just becomes heavy. And even in the presence of God, we just sit in our heaviness. But how many of you know the presence of God doesn't make you heavy? The presence of God makes you light. It's the presence of God that removes the burden. It's the presence of God that takes off the weight. It's the presence of God. We come in carrying stuff and we get in the presence of God. It lightens the load. That's like we get in sometimes and, and you, there's just heaviness. It's crazy what a heavy crowd can do. And I'm not talking about how many cookies you've eaten. I'm talking about emotionally. I, I preach multiple services every weekend. I've done it for years now. And we have four every weekend now. And it's amazing to me how we, we do the same services. If you've ever popped in on a different time, it's the same songs every service, all four services. It's the same worship team. We kill those people every weekend. Like we, They're chained in that little room over there. And, we, we let them out to sing, and then they have to go back to the, go back to the sweatshop. And uh, I preach the same message every weekend. You know, it comes out a little different every time, but it's the same notes, the same points, the same verses. I don't change anything. It's the same, it's the same lame jokes all weekend. And it's funny to me, out of, out of, this happened, it was last weekend, out of four services, there were three services I made a joke and people literally peed in their pants laughing. We, we had to change chairs out in this room because people were dying. And then there was one, I kid you not, there was one service. I made the same joke the same way and not one soul in the room laughed. One guy went. That was all, that was all I got out of that joke. And the whole service was heavy. Just heavy. I mean, how heavy do you have to be not to want to laugh at a joke? You know what I mean? But it's the, and it's and it's this religious idea that like 
this reverence and this somberness is what pleases God. But God didn't give us a spirit of heaviness. He gave us the garments of praise to, relate, to replace the spirit of heaviness. And one of, the things, one of the things we need to reclaim is the understanding of praise. Worship is reverent. Worship is reverencing and honoring the presence of God. But the way that you get to worship is you have to go through praise. And the reason we do our services the way that we do them, we do a first song that is always filled with the praises of our God that gives you the opportunity to clap, that gives you the opportunity to move. And we do that because praise is how you get to worship. How many of you knew we do a first song? Anybody? Anybody? In the, <laughs> I had to take the cheap shot, but I had to take it. And if you, if you just come in and you, you don't go through praise, I, I've watched it. Like the presence of God will be in the room and people will still be heavy and still carry their burdens and still be sitting there in their dysfunction. And the reason why is because God has given us some understanding. He said, the way that you come into my presence is you enter into my gates with thanksgiving. That when you come in, you just learn to be grateful and you just start great thanking God for simple stuff. Like I got shoes on my feet and I got clothes on my body. I had a car that got me here. I was able to make my mortgage payment this month. I was able to pay the FPL bill this month. I've got food in my refrigerator. I've got breath in my body. I've got people around me. I've got a church that I can go to. And so I start taking the first step of lightening the load in my life by getting out of myself and being grateful to the God of heaven. And he said, come into my gates with thanksgiving and enter into my courts with praise. Begin to declare who the greatness of our God is, that he is great and he is greatly to be praised. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with a voice of triumph, for he is good, and he is greatly to be praised. And you come in, and you shout for joy. Watch this. You don't shout because you have joy. You shout because you need joy. You shout for joy. And then God says, I'll bring you into my presence, because worship is an invitation from God. It's an invitation from God to come into his presence. And if we don't find thanksgiving and we don't find praise, we don't find the presence of God. And we turn holiness into heaviness. We need to rediscover the biblical idea of praise. And when the angels came on the birth of Christ, they didn't say this is going to make you happy. But they did say this is going to bring joy. And the way that they brought joy is they brought it with praise. And joy doesn't happen quick. In fact, when the angels came, they, they said good news of great joy, but Jesus was just a baby. Not much would change in that moment, but that baby grew up, y'all. <laughs> Conquered death, hell, and the grave. Now he's set at the right hand of God, victorious over this life. His joy is complete, and because his joy is complete, our joy is complete. And what happens is we live for moments but joy doesn't happen in moments. Joy is a fruit, so joy has to be cultivated in your life. You've got to cultivate the atmosphere, right? To make fruit grow, it means you've got to keep the environment. And what happens is we want something instantaneously, and happiness comes in a moment, but joy is produced in seasons. By cultivating the right atmospheres in our life through the seasons, joy grows up. 
And I think that's why Christmas is so challenging. You know, it's supposed to be a time of joy, but it's sometimes some of the saddest moments of our life because they're just the circumstances of our life aren't matching our expectations, and then we get sad. I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I mean, there's been seasons where I couldn't wait for Christmas to be over and the new year to be done because I was just so done with that year. Anybody ever been there? Just, I'm ready for this to be done. I want to go on to next year. Because there's... There's these moments where you got to wrestle through, and it's how the enemy works. The enemy, the enemy shows things that are quick, but doesn't show you what's destructive on the back end. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 23, 31 through 32, it says, Don't look at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smooth. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. And it's not, it's not talking about the consumption of wine. It's talking about alcoholism. Like when you read it, it's, it's talking about the hangovers and the headaches and then the waking up in the next morning and you need another drink and, and how it just takes over your life. And it talks about like you see the sparkle, but what you don't see is the sting. And people get all caught up on the wine, um, but you can, it's a principle. And you can take that from something, from wine, you can take it to something else. Like you can take that, like you see something sparkle in a store, and so you bite on the sparkle, and it's not till you go check your account that you realize the sting. Isn't that a good message for the Christmas season? Like I saw it sparkle, but it just stung my budget. You can take it into relationships. This season, nobody wants to be alone. So you'll take the sparkle of somebody asking you out because you want to get dressed up and go on a date and post it on Instagram that you went out and not care that they're not a good person and they're not following Jesus and they're not right for you. And so you take the sparkle, but it's the sting on the back end, literally, of a bad relationship. Of a bad relationship, that, but you took the sting. And... What happens is the enemy, it's what he did in the garden, right, with Adam and Eve, showed them the sparkle of the fruit, but didn't show them the sting of the serpent that went with the fruit. But that's not, that's not how God works. Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 says, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. In other words, with God, it doesn't start out good and get worse. It starts out with God, it starts good and it gets better. That's one of the first miracle of Jesus was to turn water into wine. Y'all remember that? And at the end of it, he said, you saved the best wine for last. The first miracle of Jesus was just to teach us this is a good miracle, but better miracles are on the way. Because the enemy starts out with a sparkle and then gives you the sting, but our God takes you from glory to glory to glory to glory. He just takes you from one level to another level. And don't be fooled because Jesus is a baby because that baby is going to grow in favor and stature and he's going to go to the cross and he's going to go to the grave, but he's going to overcome the grave and then he's going to endure the cross, despise the shame, and he's going to sit down at the right hand of God the Father. It's going to start good, but it's going to end best. That's how God works because the enemy starts out with a sting, with a sparkle, and he gives you a sting. God goes from glory to glory to glory and he makes a promise that when my life 
when your life is pleasing to him and he's pleased in your life God said this I'll make my face shine upon you that you're going to cultivate something that's got the favor and blessing of God on it so don't be disheartened if you don't get what you want this Christmas season because you may not get the relationship you want don't take the sparkle just go ahead and live for the shine I may not have the sparkle of a new ring this year or a new person this year but I'm waiting on God and when the right person comes I'm going to have the favor of God shining on my marriage and I may not be where I want to be in my circumstances this year and in my finances this year but that's okay I'm not living for the sparkle come on somebody I'm going to live for the shine of God on my life and I'm going to just have a posture that good news is here and I'm not taking instant things I'm choosing joy this Christmas for the joy that is set before me I'll endure this moment and I'll despise the shame because I may be here but I'm not staying here because the Savior of the world has come and it doesn't matter how dark it is around me there's good news on the inside of me that is the promise of great overcoming and exceeding joy because our Savior has come come on give God some praise in the room Father, I thank you for every person in the room. I I don't know where everybody is in their heart and their life. I I know for some, Christmas can be a challenging time. So we just pray, Lord, even if Christmas doesn't sparkle this year, pray that there will be an unshakable, unmovable confidence in our life that even if we can't wait for this year to get over, it's because we're already looking forward to next year and we know that you're redeeming the story of our lives. So our joy is full and complete because we have received our King. So we've chosen Jesus. Now I wanna just, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just wanna lead us in a moment. Maybe you've never received Jesus. I wanna just give you the opportunity to receive Christ. There's an incredible moment that happens when, when we just choose to receive Jesus. Maybe you've never done that, or maybe you're in a place where you need to recommit your life. And, you know, I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. This is maybe just a really normal moment. But I love the way that God came into the world. He came in the world in the form of a baby. What's more innocent and small than a baby? You know how easy it would be to pass by that? But that baby had a name that was above all names. All power in heaven and earth was in that manger. And here's what I'd tell you, is this may be a small moment, but it's still a powerful moment. There's power to transform your heart and your life. And this is gonna be a good moment. And this is is gonna be an awesome moment. But this is only the good moment. Here's the good news, is it only gets better from here that the best isn't here. The best is still ahead of you because God's going to take you from glory to glory to glory. If you've never received Christ or maybe you need to make a recommitment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to say the words and I just want you to repeat them. You can use my words, but pray them out of your heart. And our, our whole church family is going to say this prayer with us. And there's some of the people in this room, they're not praying the prayer for themselves. They're praying the prayer with you as you take the step 
of faith, as you cross the line of faith, putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Listen, let's let our sovereignty go and let's receive our King. Let's, let's, let's displace sin. Let's displace all of the guilt, all of the shame. Let's displace all of that and let's receive the joy of Christ in this room today. We're gonna pray this prayer together because we are really better together. So I want you to say it loud. Come on, Coast Life family. For all of those that are praying this prayer for the first time or for a recommitment, just say, Lord Jesus, welcome to my world. I receive you now. Forgive me of my sin. Wash away my past. Make me a new person. Today I follow you. I will walk in your path. I will follow your ways. Today I receive you as my leader and my Lord. And I'll never be the same. Come on, let's make it a declaration. I'll never be the same. One more time. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Come on, that's incredible. Thank you for being with us on the podcast today. And a great big thank you to all of those who financially support the ministry of Coast Life Church. Your generosity is helping us and resourcing us to bring God's word into people's hearts and lives. And if you've never given and would like to, you can go to mycoastlifechurch.com forward slash give. And just know that you're resourcing and equipping us to bring the encouragement of God's word into people's lives. Another way that you can make a difference is by simply hitting the subscribe button. Just know that means so much to us to know that you're leaning in to the Word of God. And a great big thing that you can do is hit the share button. Let other people know that there is encouragement and God's Word is there to resource them because we're here just to lead people into abundant life in Christ so they can experience life on top of life on top of life. God bless you.